When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Headstuff Studios in Dublin, the Barch and First Nogalga. Welcome to Mother Folklore, podcast of words. Irish. <laughs> Irish words. And words from Ireland. I'm Derek O'Shea. And I'm Padre Kivonik. I got it right that time. You actually did get it right I this did time. I got it right that time. For a change. I've ruined it by saying that I got it right this time, but... Uh, we'll see. Well, you know what you can do? What? Go fuck myself. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, I was going to say Pogue Mahone. <laughs> okay. Let's say Pogue Mahone as a segue to the fact that we're going to talk about the Pogues this week. Yes, well... well <laughs> <laughs> you <we're>... absolute dolt. <laughs> Yes. So you know what you can do? You can poke Mahone. I certainly can. And and that's particularly apt this week. Because one of the best known expressions in Irish language across the world is poke Mahone. Which is... Which means kiss my arse. Which was the original name of a band better known now as the Pogues. Exactly. Yeah. And I figured in order to discuss this, uh, and to talk about this, I decided to summon in one of my favorite new podcasts in Ireland is a podcast called I Love This Band. It is made in Louth. It is made by Jennifer Quigley. She knows her stuff about music and she's in the studio today. Yes, I, I am an amateur music historian from County Louth. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Well. 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 <laughs> That's the crack. Jennifer's show, if you haven't heard it yet, I Love This Band is great. Every week, that what they do is um, she gets a, a, an interesting guest and usually a musician to talk about a band who they love. And but it starts well when Jennifer gives a little overview of the, the band themselves and, what, how, and you know a little bit of history, and then it goes into a, a more in-depth discussion with someone who really knows their stuff, who really likes the band. It's a great show. Thank you so much. But yeah, it's um, I think like everybody has this band that kind of just means a lot to them in comparison maybe to some stuff they listen to casually. Everybody has that one band that they just hold very close to their heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's in your Who teenage years. You? Oh, a lot. Like when I was a teenager, I was really big into like female fronted like punk rock and grunge. Uh, so I loved Hole, Courtney Love. Oh, I yeah. loved uh, The Stillers, Brody Dahl. Amazing. Uh, so yeah, grunge and punk like when I was younger was, You're yeah, that was my thing. significantly cooler than me. Mine is Counting Crows. <laughs> oh well, like, I mean, Crows. I think I saw them before. Oh yeah, I've seen yeah. them live. Amazing show. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was kind of, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, I suppose it those would be two bands. I haven't actually profiled on my podcast yet because... Because you'd be interviewing yourself. I'd be interviewing myself. <laughs> it might run four hours and nobody will listen to it. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe Derek I have... Li- Derek would listen to it. He'd yeah. listen to it and he'd talk to me about uh, for another four hours. <laughs> he would. Um, so one of those bands, one of those really special bands that resonates with a lot of people, a lot of Irish people and a lot of people of Irish descent all around the world is 
the pokes. The pokes, yeah. Yeah, and I thought, particularly because, I mean, sometimes you talk to people and they've they've found their way into Irish from, like, from fantasy literature that mentions it. Sometimes they find into it through parenthood. But some people do find their way back to Irish through music. And a huge way of how Irish culture is represented has been through our musical traditions. And maybe the pokes have done this in a very interesting way, particularly because of the historical circumstances that they came out of, the, the time and place they came out of, and... And just that that moment in Irish that, that happened to be happening in Irish history at the same time, it's and I just and and Shane McGowan is one of the most famous Irish people in the world, and just uh, there's there's just a lot to talk about. Yeah, where do we even start? Yeah, I mean, I think Shane McGowan to a lot of Irish people and to a lot of London Irish people is he's kind of like a folk hero, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean he's gone from being kind of like viewed with suspicion and people kind of uh, questioning his authenticity as a as a trad folk musician. And yeah. then, of course, then maybe this anti-Irish kind of sentiment from the 70s and 80s. And then, you know, but I think he's come through all that and now people really do look at him as kind of like the punk rock Ronnie Drew. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. he kind of does have that kind well, of persona. We had the same kind of tribute paid to him, like an entire Late Late Show dedicated to to him. So he's kind of, he's uh, he's gone mainstream, basically. You know, he's he's accepted as one of the, he's in the pantheon of great Irish musical stars I won't say rock stars but musical stars oh well yeah I would say I would say rock star yeah he I'm, is a rock yeah, star but absolutely. he's transcended even that to go up yeah. there with, with, with the greats from he, all genres he, the thing is about the Pogues I mean everybody kind of uh, who likes punk rock or new punk rock kind of sees all these Irish American bands kind of doing the whole quote unquote Celtic punk thing mm-hmm. but I mean that was perfected by Shane McGowan we're not going to body the dropkick Murphys here we're not going to say not, anything mean about them we're not going to no. say anything mean about them they're great guys yeah. 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 But I mean they they do they, they are indebted. There would, be, there would be no there would be no blood or whiskey. There would be no uh, dropkick murphys. There would be no black 47. There would be no, and even though they're like sort of rap metal and not quite Are they? Yeah, oh, just, they're incredible. Um there would be no Shanaki. There would be all of these bands, you know, would not exist. none of them without the Pogues. And I think um you know it, it, it the Pogues are quintessential London Irish too mm-hmm. so I mean I'm I'm only 30 so I can't remember the 80s right mm-hmm. Dara <laughs> can <laughs> but um, mm-hmm. so I've always grown up with Shane McGowan there and I think even growing up as a kid I probably would have just thought he was from Dublin I didn't yeah. you know what I mean I didn't know he's there, just he's just been that guy there, there the are, whole time there, there are Shane McGowan truthers who believe he was born and reared in Pocan in the county Tipperary yeah. They will not accept that he's London Irish. I he thought is. he was born in Tipperary. He's quite essentially London. This is uh, <laughs> this, here's the thing. We know that like the that sometimes people are born and then their family move when a child is young, one way or the other. There's a there is a huge um overlapping. And I remember a while back an English person said to me, they were giving out it was recent, there was um they were talking about the Spotify list which said, Oh, half of your music comes from Australia or or thirty percent of your bands come from France. And they, he, this person was giving out saying that if ACDC are Australian, then the Pogues are English. If you apply the same criteria of nationality. Yeah. And, yeah. but no, I no. I don't. I think that. Well, but like, can you say that ACDC are definitively Australian I bands? I think like, it's people not, it's view them their... as the Australian flagship in every country. I think as but, their yeah. flagship rock band, yeah, and like, I think they are that. You know, I mean, look, the Australians can be very proud of ACDC and what they've achieved, absolutely. But like, when they jump into your head when you think of ACDC, is the first thought uh, Australian, or does that is that reserved for like Men at Work? 
for you me, know? I would say uh, yeah, Aussie, it? yeah, Aussie rock band. But yeah. like when yeah. you think of the Pogues, what's the first thing that drops into your head? That's 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 kind of what I what I mean. Yeah. But in that in saying that is that I grew up. He might as well have been from from Dublin or Wicklow mm, or somewhere. Yeah. I I the, the London Irish thing wasn't something I understood growing up. I didn't you know. Yeah, I knew he had a bit of an English accent, <laughs> but I just didn't. But I, I mean, I know people yeah. in in Dundalk that were born in England, yeah. and they still have the twang of their accent, yeah. but they're. Pure town. And so there's you know no. <laughs> town. You know? right. They put you in a box. Exactly. Yeah. Hit you with a box. Hit you with a box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, of course, so there's no one in RD or Dada can use an R anyway. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, that doesn't, you know what I mean? I don't think your accent or your, your city where you live kind of, you know, writes over your Irishness. And I think that's kind yeah. of their punk rock MO. It's like, okay. Uh, our parents came from Ireland. Yeah. Both my parents are Irish. I grew up listening to Irish music. I'm not Irish like maybe, uh, you know, the the home country people are Irish. But the London Irish thing is an identity in itself. Yeah, and I think style. that's their that was their kind of mission statement. I think yeah. just from and, what I've read about them. And critically, I think a band like the Pogues may have had to come to Ireland from a distance because, and if they had come entirely from Ireland, Ireland. They'd be from a county. They'd be a Cork band or they'd be a yeah, Limerick band. They yeah. wouldn't oh, be... Yeah, of course. So in some ways, the London Irishness actually gave an opportunity for them to represent the entire island in a way. Yeah. That's, made a, up otherwise. that's a really good point because that, that is exactly how... You two are quintessentially a Dublin band. Mm. Yeah. Love them or hate them. Boomtown Rats, a Dublin band. The Frank and Walters, a Cork band. Yeah. Bye. You know? <laughs> yeah, bye. <laughs> Jape is a Louth artist. Like the cores are quintessentially Dundalk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, completely town. But look, yeah, I mean, we have a couple of bands uh, doing quite well. Did I say Jape? <laughs> Jape's not from Louth, is he? No. No, Jinx but Lennon. Jinx Lennon, Jinx yes. Lennon, Jinx, Lennon. Lennon. Jinx Lennon is a quintessential Dundalk. Absolutely. Like, you know, outsider art. He, does, you know, he doesn't care. He's not from Dublin. He doesn't care. He's not from Belfast. He is himself. Yeah. And, and even uh, some bands uh, from, from Dundalk, like Just Mustard, TPM, like these guys are, are flying the flag for Dundalk my favourite band from Dundalk is uh, an all-female collective called The Periods yes uh, they're, yeah. uh, they're pretty out there yeah we're pretty out there in Dundalk like no I think <laughs> we're an underdog but there's so many creative people there and it's a, so, so a lovely scene a lovely music scene and yeah. I'm very proud of it so speaking of music scenes like one of the things you mentioned there Jen is that like because you're 30 you don't have the lived memory of what the 80s were no. like but to sort of sum it up if we can it was a hell of a time to be starting an Irish band in Britain Brave. Yeah. <laughs> Brave. I mean, yeah, I mean, I know as much, uh, I can remember seeing like signs for the hunger strikers still up in the 90s in Dundalk when that happened in 1981. So that stuff kind of, it might not be in living memory, but it's it's kind of there. And even if you grow up from the 90s and 2000s, it's, it's still stuff that's kind of talked about. It's mm-hmm. like recent history. Um, so that's another, you know, interesting thing about them it was very punk rock to showcase your Irishness at a time when Irishness Irishness was feared hated you know looked Mm -hmm. down upon Um, even the way they looked yeah um, they styled themselves was it Paddy Sheik or something he called it Paddy Sheik yeah love it it's in this like this book I I read that just really kind of opened my mind to this is uh, Irish Blood English Heart by Sean Campbell it's pretty famous but um, yeah, he he wrote in there that Paddy Sheik was Shane McGowan's thing that they kind of dress in like loose, bad fitting suits and like a <laughs> no tie because you're all mm. drunk and stuff. It's like, like Brendan like Behan kind of Irish, Irish uncle you know, at a wedding, like yeah, Irish uncle at a wedding, and that was like that was the look. 
Do you know mm. what I mean? It's like, if you're going to fear my Irishness, I'm going to look like the biggest paddy possible. <laughs> you know, my fiddle and my flute and I'm going to, you know, I don't care, you one, know? One of my favourite things I read about them was like, they, they kind of, like they, they, they came to the attention of the record label when they opened for The Clash, but they really came to public attention when they appeared on The Tube on Channel 4, playing a, uh, a doing a music video for the, their version of the trad song The Waxies Dargle, throughout which Spider Stacy repeatedly smashed himself over the head with a beer tray. <laughs> it is the single most on-brand thing a band could, could do. Exactly. And it's absolutely outrageous. Like, for the time, it's just unreal. Using yeah. his head as percussion. It's like, I'm going to say it about mm. myself before you say it about me. It's very that. Yes. It's very that. I think as Irish people, we do have that self-deprecating thing. Like, And it's only funny when we say it. Yeah, but if any... If you, okay, <laughs> we're, we're all on Twitter and we've all seen the Irish Twitter thing. Somebody puts a foot wrong on Irish Twitter, it's like a flipping... It's a feeding frenzy. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah, like it's, it's funny when we say it, but don't you dare say don't it. Don't you dare us. say it about <laughs> us. Yeah, it is funny because there, there are some there are some international tweeters who've wandered into Irish Twitter accidentally, and, and but and, and sometimes with great affection. And there, then you do see every now and then these articles saying, you know, "Look, like, Twitter in Ireland is different in terms of the actual proportion of the population it represents, because possibly because people are spread out, and we, we need it to keep together in a way that maybe yeah that that maybe I don't think English Twitter is 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 has been populated and kept alive by people." expats missing a home I think yeah okay we'll go back to the London Irish thing like yeah. if you're in live, a, guy, a young fella living in London for three years you still have the same lived experience really as somebody here in Dublin do you know what I mean you're going to be the same things bother you you've mm-hmm. got you know the same heritage behind you so it is it is a lovely thing to keep the community together and I would because our country is so small there's only what four million of us yeah, four, four and a half. We're yeah. nearly more like a community than a country in some ways. <laughs> yeah. like, but there's, like, there's fewer people in Ireland yeah. than there are in London. Exactly. And we're three degrees of separation from each other, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys interviewed somebody I knew, you know? <laughs> it's kind of that it's, kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's very I'm, that. Yeah, I'm fairly sure that you know someone I know yeah. who we haven't. You know. yeah, yeah, exactly. It's But I love that in mm-hmm. a way. I do love that about Ireland. And, you know, that's what they were creating in London in the late 70s and the early 80s, they were creating a, a strong London Irish community and they were, you know, celebrating their identity and playing. It's a, Shane McGowan, growing up in the punk rock movement, would have looked at the likes of Johnny Rotten. And everybody forgets that Johnny Rotten has two Irish parents. Yeah, John Lydon. John, John Lydon yeah. is London Irish. Mm. Uh, so the most anti establishment, anti monarchy, feral man in punk rock <laughs> until he sold a, out and started doing ads for what was it butter or something yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that <laughs> as, as a 19 year old right I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. he was pretty feared and, and but yeah and I mean I think that fire comes from his Irish heritage that's a hot take that's not back up yet. <laughs> but I think a lot of that anti-establishment kind of frustration would come from you know being in that background but does it also come from and you mentioned it early on right enough it comes from this sort of prevailing sentiment of anti-Irishness that like absolutely a, at the time late 70s early 80s Faulty Towers has been on like where the Irish builder was a punchline you know there's a whole episode where the joke is he's Irish and he's stupid and isn't he bad at his job and this is from a universally loved comedy that was broadcast on primetime like the, two, the two Ronnies almost had Irishman jokes in their in, in, in their end thing they said that it was almost the, among the writers it was a competition because the writers are paid per gag right? and they said the big thing was not just who got the best joke who got the best Irishman joke right 
Like I, do, I watch a lot of the Tiranis and there's not a lot of it. You don't um, see a lot of it. Maybe some of it. Maybe it's been cut out. Yeah. Maybe they've been cut out. I mean, yeah. and I mean, not only, and we're not only talking about the troubles, but also like, um, I don't know, you know, the no Irish, no blacks, no dogs, yeah. like those signs. I mean, you're if you are a young person growing up as a as a British person, but your parents are Irish, you're seeing these signs and you're like, okay, people can't see, can't see my Irishness. They can't hear my Irishness, but I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got, you're like you a double realize, agent. You don't realise you're talking about me. Like, yeah, but yeah. you are like a double agent because you're, you're seeing the other side of it. So it's like, yeah, you've got a wider mm-hmm. perspective. People get too comfortable around you maybe, you know? So especially yeah. if you're there and you're in the punk scene and yeah. you're sort of this, this people don't realise that like this attitude that they're displaying, this pro-British, anti-Irish attitude, well, that's that's really, that's against me. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you can't tell, like you say, like you can't mm. hear it in my accent. You can't hear it in, mm. or you can't see it until I dress in Paddy Chic, you can't yeah, see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Until I actually break out the fiddle in the middle of like <laughs> middle of the pit, like you especially know what I mean? at, at, at the, the parallel side of this era was the kind of I guess the the the, the English presenting Irishman or the kind of a respectable kind of the, the between. Oh the, yeah, you had to English yourself yeah. up if you were. What's that? Like, the Shawneen? Is that what that Shonine. means? Is that what Shawneen <laughs> yeah. is? Well, I don't know if Terry Wogan quite counts as a Shawneen. He was <laughs> he was proud to be Irish, yeah. but you could hardly tell listening to him. You know, he's hardly you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was yeah. from Limerick. Too, he Limerick. certainly didn't sound didn't like a Limerick sound like man. Boy, like yeah. no, <laughs> <laughs> or the old, or the old fellas in Limerick. Yeah. Oh God, I could listen to them read the phone book. I love it. But, but yeah, um, but I suppose yeah, the, the Dave Allen and Terry Wogan were hugely popular. Val Duigan still had a show on yeah, at the same time. Yeah. And, but they, they were, oh, he's second generation. Though, it was yeah. non-threatening. It was a non-threatening version of Irishness, diluted down. You know, but these guys like were my wadi. Yeah, but they, <laughs> <laughs> which is Irish. Uh, these guys were not diluted down. This was raw. This was in your face. This was punk. It wasn't pop punk. It wasn't soft. When they were starting out, they were like, like I said, they were opening for the Clash. They yeah. were really, really kind of out there, so out there that it almost really didn't didn't work out for them. They yeah, I mean, uh, like uh, Derek was talking about how I did an episode on the Clash too, and Joe Strummer would have been a fairly leftist uh, figure at the time too, so he would have been very sympathetic to you know anti racism and. Uh, socialist movements and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I can see mm-hmm. why they had an alliance in a way too. I heard a version of Straight to Hell. I think he did that with the Pogues. It sounded so cool. It just really worked, you know. Mm-hmm. It did. It's awesome. So, yeah. so awesome. Mm. So you probably, in, in terms of the 80s when the, the Pogues are at the top, they probably have two cla- really classic albums, Rum, Sodomy and the Lash and then If I Should Fall from Grace of God. And in these, both of these, um, both of these albums, uh, Shame Account intersects yeah, you know, well chosen, well curated cover versions with his own writing. Absolutely, uh, and the interesting thing, actually, because we're talking about two identities here, you're talking about uh, Irish people born and bred here, like us, who you know, mm. uh, and then there's the London Irish identity. Mm. Uh, so, on the cover of that album, it's a it's a painting called "The Raft of the Medusa." Yeah, uh, by Jerry Co. That's uh, Rum Sodomy and the Lash, mm. and that's apparently depicting somebody b- between two lands, between two worlds. So that's kind of what they were, that's the message they were trying to send. Like, I'm not an Irishman, but I'm, I'm not, okay, you say I'm not an Irishman, but I'm not an Englishman. I'm too English for the Paddies and I'm too Irish for the Brits. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So that's kind of um, very poignant on that album too. Like, I I thought that was very beautiful when I spotted that. It's, yeah, there's symbols there that, you know, not the the naked eye might not see. And, And like a lot of, a lot of, that theme kind of runs through their songs, like you know, through things like 
the the sort of the, the desperate homesickness of um, the old main drag, like just yeah. that that absolute heartaching lyrical poetry of McGowan's, and then and you have like they covered um, they covered British songs, they covered mm. Dirty Old Town, mm-hmm. which guys. I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's not about Dublin. It's about Salford. Salford. Ewan McCall wrote it, yeah. yeah. And I covered uh, Eric Bogle's The Band Played Waltzing Matilda. That song mm. is so sad. So like, sad. it gives me chills. Like, listen to it in the car, I get really emotional. Uh, yeah, I, Unreal. I generally yeah. skip over it unless yeah. I'm in a real... Yeah, Honestly, yeah. 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 the headspace to listen <laughs> yeah. to it. And like, um, yeah, the songs are just really about sad <laughs> displacement and working yourself to death. Like, Paddy on the railway, poor yeah. Paddy, you know, and... A huge part of the, the, the post got a big spike in popularity when The Wire came out mm. because the um, the, um, the McNulty, Detective McNulty's, they were his favourite band. He'd listened to them a oh, lot. And yeah, it, was, yeah. it was kind of like almost like... It played was, by Englishman Dominic West. Played by Englishman. <laughs> but they had to ham up his Irish-Americanness so yeah, that he loves the Pogues. And Jameson. But, but it Shot was, <laughs> of the Pogue CD in his car, yeah. you know, yeah. But, but it, was just, kind of, it was kind of like almost like an operatic leak motif that if there's a bit of uh, the Pogues playing, you know, he's nearby. And also one of the Pogue songs was sang at every policeman's wake in Baltimore, which is a body of an American. Yeah, it's no such a good song, though. Yeah, it's, it's such a, a good cracking song, song. Big Jim Dwyer. Every single song on that on that album, Rum Sodomy in the Night, is in its own way just yeah. so poignant, so perfect, mm. so brilliant. Like A Rainy Night in Soho is mm. arguably the greatest Irish love song. Like yeah. arguably the greatest. It's unbelievable. A great funeral song too. Yeah. <laughs> I know a band um, from uh, from Britain, from uh, was it, where are they from? Welling Garden City, uh, and they were called the Gorgeous Rex, and they covered it. But their lead singer had this very distinctive English accent. He's second generation mm-hmm. Irish, Brian Burke. But it, the song, every time he sang it, 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 sang it, it sounds like on a rainy night in Soho. <laughs> but it's just, it's absolutely class. Yeah. Yeah, and just like yeah, just like you said, you know, um, like Derek just said, like the the place. Co- I- covers of traditional Irish songs like you know we've got like Martian Durkin like a, here look I'm a culty right <laughs> we have Loud Me the FM right and there's uh, interesting versions of that song being played all the time I, c- I can rhyme it off I didn't even need to listen to it today they, I was like no I know that yeah, song yeah. too well but, and they, all the ones that they play on LMF they have the same backing track oh, <laughs> oh stop jeez I could play them myself and I'm not even a great musician but um yeah, uh, but yeah, the songs more so about being about Ireland. They're about being out of Ireland and being in a different place. It's displacement, mm-hmm. um, and there is it. Just uh, th- there's ways in which I would listen to Rum Sodomy and the Lash, and, and something came to mind. And it was I was reading about the homeless Irish in London and how the idea of not being able to go home. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of yeah, like the painting on the cover. It's like you're in between two lands. You're you're kind of a transient in in London, but your your Ireland doesn't exist anymore because you're out of it for forty years. And uh, I was nearly crying in the pub there before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, reading about this poor guy Joseph Trohy from Tipperary, and he died alone in London last year. And I, I, I I had just when I was just thinking about all these songs, I couldn't help but think of that. 
think of the yeah. the, the idea of being kind of, you know, anonymous in London mm. and your homeland being kind of not what you remember leaving, you know. It's yeah. kind of very sad. Yeah. Oh, we'll liven it up a bit now. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but but it, uh, yeah, yeah it's all these themes are kind of interwoven in all their music, I think, you know. A, huge, a big thing about the, the London Irish community, a large part of the London Irish community, particularly from the 50s onwards, was that it, like like a lot of emigration, it was highly gendered. You had a lot of, a, a disproportionately high amount of men going over, yeah. spending their time, basically officially having to send money over, the, but the only social outlet being these Irish pubs that were kind of dangerous places. Uh, a lot of toxic masculinity being pushed there. Uh, a, a situation where they, you were seen as a sellout for fitting in too much, but not fitting in meant you would be left completely alone, like some of these Irish homeless people. It was a, it's, it's a tragic thing. I'm glad to know that the London Irish Centre, yeah. great, great pals, I've, yeah. I've did a talk there recently, they are, are doing some great outreach for, for that. I got to go there. With, I have a friend in London, uh, she lives in Islington, and uh, she, we went there and... Um, I was just delighted to see a big picture of Big Tom on the wall. I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> I actually took a picture. I was like, this is great because it really is a little slice of home. Like, yeah. it is nice to have these places. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and, and talking about being kind of, uh, you know, not accepted in London and not accepted in Ireland. Like, the Pogues did come over to Ireland and play their music. Yeah. Like, mm. on the Late Late Show and things like this. And they were not received well. No. no. We had this weird sort of relationship where we were sort of, in a vicarious way, very proud of them for doing so well, but to shocking altogether the language and the themes of the songs, and it's not very appropriate. And so I don't want to hear that on the late well, late now. I don't know if this is kind of this thing in the eighties where it was kind of very puritanical here, and and maybe people wanted to kind of quote unquote better themselves and not be the paddy on the railway anymore and be perceived in a kind of a yuppie sort of way and kind of looking yeah. down on those old stereotypes because they they were seen as demeaning and here's Shane McGowan just hamming it up second generation Irish guy yeah. coming over dressed like a drunken uncle at a wedding yeah, with a yeah. fiddle pissed drunk his teeth Singing falling like out one summer evening drunk to hell I like, yeah. sat there nearly lifeless yeah, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's like people probably looked at them and were mortified like this is what you. Ch- this is how you choose to represent Ireland. They just didn't understand what all the London Irish stuff and you know that, all the that, stuff behind it. That, they didn't yeah, understand. Yeah, that, you that know, that sense of displacement. But like you're trying to you're trying to convey a sense of displacement to the people who have literally abandoned you and forgotten about you, and they don't care about second generation emigrants in London. They just they don't not understand. Interested, don't understand. Don't want to. Can we just have? Can we not have Sandy Kelly and Daniel O'Donnell on the Late Late Show instead, please? Thank you very much. <laughs> Country special, but also <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, though, there's an interesting parallel. There's, there's another Irish band who kind of got started off at the same time and, and were called U2. And they were, they were maybe a, probably a just different kind of aspirational. And the, I think probably U2's popularity, especially around the time of Live Aid, was very connected to a new sense where Ireland had always had a perception of itself as, as being poor. And then suddenly U2 and Live Aid and Bob Geldof started connecting our Irish poverty to historically innocent whiteness. And people were much more comfortable with that. And they did they play, were. they play upon that. And like you do often see Bono. Anytime there's mm. something to do with a marginalised community, he will be like, ah, coming from a boy from the north side of Dublin and everybody's cringing. Oh. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... Paul, it's, Paul, it's give not, it a rest, Paul. And like, do you know what? Like, you know, he is, sometimes I think, yeah, he is actually pure of heart and he doesn't really mean... T- you know, he's trying, this is his way of kind of extending out. But I think yeah. everybody else doesn't kind of see it the way he does, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. especially nowadays where everybody's a little bit more kind of versed on these topics. It's not <laughs> yeah. like... And a bit more hard-nosed and cynical, to be honest with yeah. you as well. Like, we don't swallow it as easily. And yeah. one thing don't like is, we kind of, we've all got a bit pogish now. We don't like being pontificated to. Yeah. yeah. We kind of just push it back at people. 
Yeah, and definitely. I, but I suppose certainly at the time, and it, it took a while for the Pogues to be completely accepted in Ireland, I think, like that, because there was a perception that the that the traditional Irish music community felt that, there was, that these songs should be sang in a certain way. And then whereas the, the, the punk element... Even still, I, I I I think that those people still thought punk, even though he it was a huge part of the of the Irish community involved in it. Thus, it still saw it as a very British thing. Yeah, I mean, in the eighties, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like another episode I did on mine, uh, we, me and uh, Carly were talking about. Uh, she's Canadian, so she always perceives seventies mm. punk as English seventies punk, and mm. I'm like, no, I usually think of it more as kind of the two. I said because I'm in between. The USA and uh, and England. I'm looking back in that history, going, no, it was happening at the same time. Yeah. But what happened was the English guys were importing American punk, punk, and then that version of it was being brought back into America again. So it all got mixed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So nobody knows where anything came from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like so you yeah. can have the New York Dolls and the Sex Pistols like active at the same time, yeah. doing the same kind of thing. Well, Mark McLaren would have seen the New York Dolls and thought oh, this is cool. So we would have brought it back to England and go, okay, guys, dress like crazy mm-hmm. uh, Sid Vicious would have wanted to look like a Ramon with a leather jacket yeah. so then the Sid Vicious look would have been brought back into America and then the American guys are trying to look like Sid Vicious and then you know mm. it's you know, then nobody knows where it came like you from. You fast forward a little bit and you end up with Justin Bieber somehow <laughs> yeah. we don't exactly know what the process what is but yeah yeah like bad photocopies of bad photocopies yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah basically it's like a, it snowballs and then nobody knows how it started This episode is sponsored by First Nagelga, who are celebrating 20 years of promoting the Irish language, Fabliac Foss. Here is just one of the projects they do. Gano means business. First Nagelga offer a wide range of free support to encourage the use of Irish as a business marketing tool, including consultation, guides, and translation supports to raise awareness about using the Irish language. They also provide the business support scheme, funding, advice and proofreading to develop bilingual signage, stationery and marketing material. The QARC Gnola Gaelga Award System acknowledges business organisations that evaluate, develop and capitalise on the use of the Irish language throughout the island of Ireland. You can find out more about Gnó Means Business on Twitter at at Gnó Os Gaelga. First na Gaelga, celebrating 20 years, Siar Janga Haney. So I love Rum Sadim in the Lash, but I think if if I could fall from grace with God was it was more successful, was more commercially successful album. I think that is the one with which has probably the even more famous songs. Definitely has the most famous punk yes. song. It has um their Irish number one, British number two, and uh, favourite uh, at Christmas all around the world, but not without controversy. Oh, Fairy of Tale of New York. So yeah. we can't really not talk about Fairy Tale no. of New York. <laughs> And I'll, I'll open with saying that this came out, Fairytale New York came out the same year as Money for Nothing by Dire Straits, which also has had a verse that included the offensive word in question. Okay. But they just cut that from the radio version. They cut that first from the radio version. It was yeah. in, in Dire Straits. And the real question is, why wasn't, like, I mean, that oh, so many Pogue songs have swear words, expletives, um, in context, um, objectionable words, for either through persona or through representing someone who, a character who isn't bad. But it was just, it, the fact that it wasn't bleeped out at the time and it was let run seems to be a very odd well, decision. Well, look, um, back then, I don't think people were as, uh, you know, receptive to, you know, LGBT issues, right? Yeah. 
So that's that's a big reason why it's not like now where we're, we're kind of like, no, it's just not acceptable. It's mm-hmm. not acceptable to use those words. Yeah. And yeah, like the word in question could be edited out or it could be replaced with another word. Yeah. And that's nearly more fun. I think so. You know. I think, Patrick, you had a couple of suggestions or uh, suge- uh, yeah. no- notions in that one. You scumbag, you maggot, you taped over Taggart. <laughs> I'm not quick enough now. I can't freestyle it. I'm going to leave that for, me for a while. As if that's freestyling. <laughs> I, I suppose one of the things about it is, is like in context and you speak quite correctly about the time. Like people yeah. not as sensitive to LGBTQ plus issues, not kind of realising that this is more than just a harmful word. Obviously in character, in context, in the song, it's being thrown as an insult. It is a slur and everybody knows it is. Yeah. And one of the characters is throwing, like somebody has just been called an old slut on junk and then they throw back the F slur, right? But that is not really the crux of the issue when it comes to this, that the problem is the warmth and the gusto and the passion with which it's now belted out by people singing the song and that people are now treating it as an excuse to say a word that they're yeah. not normal. Like it's kind of treated the way N- the N-word is in, in rap songs, that like it gives white douchebags an opportunity to, to, to shout out the N-word at the top of the voice. And it's not cool. It's kind of like if you say something and it really hurts your friend. Yeah. You would be apologetic to your friend and be like, oh God, I'm so sorry I said that. Like, yeah. like You wouldn't be going, it's in the song. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, Gee, I'm so sorry that I, that, I, that I said that about you. I like, I, you know, I was stupid and I was ignorant. I didn't realise by saying that I was going to really hurt you and make you feel ostracised. You would be apologetic. So why does, why does singing a song, why is that different, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, just showing people respect is more important than a 30-year-old song and its lyrical content, as far as I'm concerned. So, mm-hmm. And I mean, it is, in, in, it is one of the most famous, most played Christmas songs of all time. I have to admit, I get sick of it now because I just feel like I've heard it my whole life. But and it wasn't written to be a Christmas hit. I think people said, "Hey, this song's ri- ri- this song was written has Christmas mentioned in it. Maybe we should release it as a Christmas single." I don't think it was like envisioned the way wish it could be Christmas every day was a Christmas <laughs> yeah. song. And what about that uh, lyric? Uh, the boys of the NYPD choir were singing Galway Bay. So yeah. is that about the the actual police, or is that about the guys in the cell? What's no, that it's lyric guy, about? It's the guys in the cell. It's the, the guys the, in the, the cell. The New York Police Department has never had a choir. Right, they have a pipe band. <laughs> The NYPD choir is, it's again, like we go back to the, the theme earlier on of anti-Irishness, but like in America, it was anti-drunk Irishness. The NYPD choir is the Irish boys pissed out of their minds in the holding cell or the and drunk tank as it's known. And they're singing. The L Triangle or whatever. Oh, well, they're singing Galway Bay. <laughs> or Galway Bay. No, yeah, Galway yeah. Bay, exactly. Oh, yeah, singing Galway Bay. Yeah. And the bells, like, yeah. This is like though the theory behind paddy wagons. And be having a being coming from the fact that there was Irish police force, or is it that they picked up the Irish? <laughs> it was criminals. a little bit of both. And yeah. the whiskey train was the train to Queens, I think. Which the whiskey train. <laughs> That's a really good name <laughs> for a Celtic that. punk band. If the anybody's listening, train. the whiskey train. We'll set it up. We'll do it. What can you play? <laughs> quick, guys! Quick! Somebody else is going to do it. I don't know. <laughs> Tambourine. Uh, Tom Waits is Uncle Whiskey Train, doesn't he? Is he some kind of I, I believe. I, Just that's a fantastic name for a Celtic punk band. It's fantastic. Yes. The Whiskey, Whiskey train. train. Yeah. I, I'm reading up. This is one of my. Um, this just just how weird people get about the um, the, the the song Fairy Tale in New York, and in particular the the slur that like mm-hmm. we really shouldn't be cool with. No. In when Casey Malua performed the song uh, with the Pogues. Uh, uh, on ITV in December 2005, oh. uh, ITV censored the word arse. Happy Christmas, your arse. I pray God and it's didn't our last. censor the and F didn't word. censor the F slur. Like it's just. See, the thing is, too, right? 
guys. I'd say <laughs> Shane McGowan is probably, I mean, I don't know if he cares, but I mean, he's written so many songs and this is getting so much, it's getting so much time. This song is like the most talked about song for better or for worse. And like, there's so many other songs he's written. That must be so frustrating in a way yeah. too. Do you know? But listen, the main thing is just don't say that word. It's not nice. Yeah. Be even, nice to your friends. Even be- Shane McGowan just said like, you know yeah. what I mean? He, I, I, he said in a statement, like he wrote it because it's in character. It's what someone would say in that situation at that time. Like he's no problem with you bleeping it. He just doesn't want an argument about it. Yeah. That's it. Like just. He's probably like, I've got other albums, guys. Like, do you yeah. want to them? Like, I mean, and, and like, it's not as if Shane McGowan is in any way homophobic. Like, if you listen back to stuff like the old main drag. Yeah, that's about like That's about male a gay sex, sex worker. worker, a male sex worker, exactly being raped and abused. Like, it's, yeah, it's, incre- and it's incredibly sensitive. And like, <laughs> it, but it's sensitive and it's lovely mm. and it's, it's oh, heartbreaking. Yeah. He's not know? judging that he's, he's actually, it's sympathetic to the yeah. protagonist. And it's mm. kind of like, yeah, it, it, like it's, it's another uh, version of that theme of uh, displacement where this guy we're going to assume he's London Irish or something or an immigrant or a transient and yeah he's in a desperate situation Mm -hmm. and this is his reality so just do what Shane would do and just be fucking sensitive about it be cool don't do a Gavin and Stacey on it and roar it and have a laugh yeah and the two characters in it are really undesirable and they're really horrible to each other you know what I mean it's not really that romantic it's not aspirational like it's not no you don't That's want to be point. like that. It's it's kind of like, you know, the recent thing about like Kamechi Black and Tans getting to the charts and like, let's face it, bop, absolute song, <laughs> right? Tune, right? But a lot of people don't realise it's 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 a satire of a rebel song. Dominic Bean wrote it about his dad coming home steaming drunk and roaring at Protestants. Like, it's, it's, yeah, not, it's, exactly. not actually, it's not actually about someone who fought the Black and Tans. And the thing is about that song though, I, just, I do understand why people find it very empowering. You know, because it is like, I think it was a blind boy said it, it's like a gangster rap song. Like it actually yeah, is. It's a call to arms. It's a call it's to some... arms and it's anti-authority. And like, it is, a, to be honest, that is hard. I would say punk the, rock too, you know, like, because it a, is so crazy. <laughs> there's a writer in Boston called Tom Dunn, not the same guy from Something Happens. Are you, are you, this is Tom with an H. There's Tom with a H. And he, as well as being a journalist and a musician, he, is, he has done a mashup Glee style mashup between uh, Fuck the Police and Comedy Black and Tans and it's pretty cool <laughs> oh, oh my okay, god okay we gotta find that you're gonna have to tweet that one out now because yeah. that sounds amazing that sounds <laughs> like every young fella in Ireland will be like blasting that <laughs> yeah. out of uh, flipping mm. hatchback that is, that is. <laughs> I was born in a Dublin street where the royal drums do beat and those loving English feet, they walked all over us. And every single night, when we dad would come home tight, he'd invite the neighbours out with this fine chorus. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young Nick got a bad in this town. Tans have authority to kill a minority. And fuck that shit, because I ain't no one. Gangster for life. <laughs> I'll be blasting that out of my Yaris now. Watch me. <laughs> that is pure pokes. That is a Yaris. Yeah, that's it. Me and my friend were like listening to it. it was a Biggie and Tupac in my very old Toyota Yaris. And I was like, this really isn't, the, it's not really giving it that effect. She was like, no, because it's old. It's like an aesthetic, you know. It is. It's, it's, it's a vibe. It's a <laughs> massive, it's a we're big vibing, mood. We're just vibing. It's a big mood. Didn't they work at, isn't the Yaris the most popular car among nuns in Ireland? The Yaris Verso certainly is. My wife used to drive a yeah, Yaris some, Verso. Yeah, some it's guy told like, me. It's like the van version of a mm-hmm. Yaris. <laughs> um, my wife drove one for many years and the only other people we saw driving it were nuns. <laughs> Hello. 
fellow Yaris Verso driver I'm going to defend the Yaris drivers out there when you're at the airport you can get into the tightest little spaces and you can watch these people with their BMWs struggling Give them a wee wave. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep. Well. <laughs> Definitely. So the, um, back, getting back to the, first of all, Grace of God, as well as having, um, as well as having Fairytale New York on it, also has my favourite Pogue song, which is Thousands Are Sailing. Okay. Written, not by McGowan, but by Phil Chevron, yeah? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Sorry, th- I love Phil Chevron. He was class. In Thousands Are Sailing, they, they, they make a connection between the famine ships moving over, the experience of, of being Irish in New York and in America, connecting the Kennedys to Brandon B. into the music of George Cohen, Cohen the Times Square's favourite bard. Oh. That guy. Yeah. And a blackbird breaks the silence. As it was like that. And, and Brandon Bean's footsteps had danced up and down the street. But then this moment of crying after a party is just so powerful. And yeah, yeah, crying after a party is also so relatable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all too relatable. I kept joking I was going to have my birthday cry when I turned thirty, but I, you know, actually had a good, had a nice birthday. But, oh. you know, so have you hadn't had your birthday cry yet? Uh, I, I've had a birthday cry yet. Okay. I'm over mm-hmm. it now. That's good. You know? I'm glad, glad to yeah, hear it. it's like a purge. You know, you, you're the youngest person <laughs> on the podcast by some years. So, okay, yeah, so enjoy okay, that. Okay, right. I still enjoy have the fountain that. of youth. Thirty years drinking out of it. It's, it's younger siblings turning thirty that kicks you. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, been through, been there. <clears throat> yeah, um, yeah. So Phil Chevron wrote that one, um, also known from his time with uh, Phil, Philip Chevron and the Radiators from Space, which is arguably the all-time greatest band name of all time. I didn't catch that. What was that? Philip Chevron and the Radiators from Space. The Radiators from Space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unreal, yeah. like it's absolutely class. Mm. An amazing, amazing songwriter. Like, but uh, was in the Pogues from 1985 on for a while. Um, uh, was there around about the same time as well when, when Joe Strummer took over from Shane McGowan there was this massive period where Shane McGowan left the Pokes yeah. <laughs> I didn't well. know about yeah. that oh, actually. Yeah. and Joe Strummer was the lead singer for a while you see I love that that's amazing and then Spider Stacy was, the, was the, the permanent lead singer for a while and then McGowan came back for a sort of a reincarnation of the Pogues right. yeah. he uh, just went for a walk and came back a long, Shane, Shane long McGowan <laughs> was briefly involved in a band called the Popes instead after himself and the other Pogues had a difference of opinion on a number, a number of matters. He, he he formed a band called The Popes, which was, seemed awfully similar to it. But this is during a kind of a lull during during the 90s, probably when, um, I guess, also at this, at this time, we had Riverdance, you had the cores, you had certain elements, which arguably, arguably, arguably these things are being made possible. But the idea that you started having pop music have incorporating elements of Irish music, like like Westlife having those kind of uh, fiddly bits and the chords having those fiddly bits. Um, nothing, nothing can hold a candle to Bewitched's little uh, yes. sad little bit. Yeah, handle tree. Th- that's kind of taken back your Irishness in a totally different way, though, isn't it? It is. Like, yeah, I fight like me da. <laughs> but, but it was, it was, it was, yeah. it was a phenomenon that was made safe by the Pokes. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I guess so the made it made, cool. They made Irishness a marketable. You could Product say like. you could mm. say that the Pogues kind of you know breaking the wall down in the eighties. Again, this is like you know not to disregard anybody else's efforts, but like you're coming into the early nineties, uh, late eighties uh, to the mid nineties, and suddenly yeah, there's this kind of Celtic Renaissance mm-hmm. where suddenly River Dance is making millions. Everybody, it's so popular. It's not to my taste, but you know, is Enya still the most successful okay. Irish recording artist Enya. of all time? Like yeah, I mean Enya. There's, there's there's one for you. Yeah. Uh, Sinead, of course. Yeah. Like Sinead, pretty much. Much 
sings in her accent and she's like her brand as I said is, is a Celtic song, songstress she yeah. didn't change her name she's Sinead O'Connor fucking right get, and then, get that down yeah and then <laughs> if you combine that then with uh, the Cranberries and like Dolores yeah. O'Riordan like she who absolutely sang in her accent absolutely sang in her in her Limerick accent and a beautiful uh, singer kind of drawn from Shan Nose and yeah. all these kind of influences mm-hmm, and they had a very almost I would call it a big American sound because it's like a sound so big it can fill an arena and you yeah. two had that as well you yeah, know yeah. Mm-hmm. give so, them their dues like you, know, yeah. you don't have to be a fan to realise mm-hmm. that at a, at a certain stage and a very recent stage you two were the biggest band in the world by yeah. you know by a stretch like there was no one to hold a candle to them until maybe maybe Green Day releasing American Idiot and sort of going they, they did the same kind of genre breaking sort of quantum leap but uh, yeah yeah um, and I don't know in the 90s too there's probably all these films about Ireland and oh, far and know, away far and away a man has to have that <laughs> do you know what my favourite <laughs> uh, cheesy Irish American movie is The Devil's Own with Harrison Ford and oh, Brad Pitt so <laughs> awful that's why I love it oh yeah, yeah. It, it is so good it's terrible it's so bad it's great Um, it's just it's incredible it's just it's Brad Pitt Everything tried to distance it. himself from it after it was made, before it was released. He tried to, um, he had been contacted by some fans in, 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 who had been victims, whose fans, who's, whose family members have been victims of IRA violence. And this he is said, pre the Good Friday, Friday Agreement, you know? Yeah. Oh. And he said, yeah, but also himself and Harrison Ford didn't get on very well. Uh, at what point, apparently Brad Pitt referred to him as Ham Solo. Oh. Oh, that's oh. a very Dundalk insult, actually. <laughs> yeah. Ham Solo, yeah, Ham Solo. <laughs> Yeah. Can we start saying that, everybody? Oh, Is there just all people listening? You ham solo. You, you ham solo. Yeah. <laughs> I'll hit your box, you ham solo. I, I used to work with a guy from Dundalk, and as it happened one day, another colleague, a very nice, innocent kind of guy, was like, You know, lads, news, like super, uh, super value today, they've got half price hams in. Goes, You're a bit of a half price ham yourself. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I, I fully, <laughs> I fully expect a text this evening from my brother-in-law Shane, listening to this on his way back home from Dundalk, saying, "That's a shade accent." <laughs> <laughs> but yes, still though, you're a bit but, of a half-price ham yeah, yourself, uh, and yeah. a ham solo. God, yeah. so, you know, somebody from Dundalk is going to change their Twitter handle to that. I hope <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Ham solo, please uh, ham do. Solo. Mm. It's also a great band name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I we've, had ham, we've had ham sandwich. Yeah. Now we can have Ham Solo. Yeah, a Dundalk uh, folk punk band. Come on, guys. Ham Solo. Ham Solo. Get it going. Ham Solo, you can be supported by the Whiskey Train. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just making up bands now. That sounds great. Um, was it, uh, d- 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 If I Should Fall From The Grace of God, did that one have uh, Fiesta on it? I think so. Because that's, that's, that's an absolute tune. Oh, you're And then also that that is something that got sampled a lot. It's a real reeling in the years background yeah. piece. And um, I, don't know. <laughs> I love the yep. I love the moment on reading in the years with the music stops. And there's silence. You oh, know, oh no, some terrible shit just happened. Oh man! Yeah, oh, yeah you hold your breath. Don't get you? Ready like, for what a good, now? Get ready for a good cry. Oh we're, shit! We're getting we're we're about to have a whole new series of reeling in the years, and the first episode is going to have a guy slipping on ice. 
Yes! Oh, that guy. <laughs> Do you know what? Like, has that guy ever, like, come out and identified himself? Absolutely no. not. This is why... This I is feel why, so bad for him. This is why some people think he may have died that day. Oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah, there's this new conspiracy theory now. It's like, he's actually dead. That's why we haven't heard of him since uh, he's dead. A, a, a beer company put up a, a plaque on that. the spot where it happened. Mm. Like... Well, welcome, welcome to the branded hellscape of the 2020s. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I know. And it literally is put up so people can take a picture of it and put it on Instagram yeah, and, and it's Twitter. Got a like, logo it's for of the beer company. Like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some good marketing there. Yeah, but so yeah, Fiesta is is incredibly sampled. It's it's all over the place, but it's uh, it's a strange departure from not from like not in terms of like tempo or upbeatness because they always had upbeat songs and they always had sort of songs you could dance to. But um, it's just a bit of a departure in terms of storytelling. It doesn't ha- it doesn't have the same kind of not that it's incredibly commercial itself, like you know. But it's mm. uh, it's it's just it's kind of showcases the range of the Pogues. It was there was a bit more musicality to it. It was a bit like was there a bit more kind of flamenco in it? Was yeah, it? yeah. And why does that just work so well? Why does a kind of Irish trad and folk kind of work so well sometimes with Spanish or? Mariachi music, like the, the Armada came over and rode us that's, sideways. That's we're, what, all little, that's, we're all a little bit Spanish. That's how the story. Yeah, that's what we like to think. Like, yeah. ex- Anybody with us. anyway dark hair in Ireland, just oh yeah, the, bit of, bit, the Spanish bit of the Armada. Armada there. Yeah, he looks Spanish. Yeah, he wishes. Hello, the, uh, my name is Juan. I hail from the Armada. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to have sex? <laughs> oh, Jesus, Juan, you're so rogue. <laughs> Half a Connemara. They've got dark hair and quite sallow skin. Oh, it's the Armada. It's not. He's working fucking picking potatoes yeah, like nine hours a day. All day. <laughs> His skin lad. is leather. Like I know. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah poor old um, Jose landing in the Armada, trying to crawl his way back into the boat and being dragged. In. <laughs> Get back here, boy. <laughs> yeah, I think it, uh, the combining though the Spanish music and and mm. the Irish music, it is kind of that very kind of socialist leaning kind of sim- sympathies towards kind of you know fighting the oppressor and all that kind of stuff and you've got a lot of that obviously in South, South America yeah even, you know, even and, to be honest with you you probably would have definitely had the lived memory of it in Spain even mm. at that time which was just coming out of Francoist rule and being yeah. restored to being a royalist constitutional monarchy like it's uh, this is like I, I think people tend to forget just we are not very far removed from the spectre of fascism yeah. No, you know, like not at all. Franco died in the 70s and the Pogue songs of a very anti-fascist leaning in a big way. Like of to course. go to go back to um Rum Sodomy and the Lash, you know, when yeah. you deck that fucking black shirt who was cursing all the yids. It's like ah yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly. No passer on. Yeah, because the identity is an underdog identity and the underdog does not like fascism. Definitely not. The so, and I think Julio Iglesias was banned in the USSR because he represented fascist Spain in the Eurovision. Yeah, well, what? He, yeah, he was. He, he did? Was, yeah, he represented well, Spain, and and you know I don't know Julio Iglesias's personal leanings, but he was a favorite of Franco, and he was Spain's most famous pop star at the height of Franco. What about rule. Enrique? What's his views on socialism? Uh, I'm. I think he's staunch. <laughs> you think? I, no idea. I, what kind I, of hero I, is he? He's, he's, <laughs> I, I, I imagine he has kind of moderate centrist views. Ah, now Daniel O'Donnellish. No, 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 no. Actually, I won't slur down Donald. Donald is a good guy. Is, he still, is he still? Is he still married to Anna Kornikova? Oh, I don't know. That's going. Say back. Anna Kornikova in a loud accent. Anna Kornikova. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sounds better. Nice, yeah. Sounds better than the way I say it. I know her well. I know her well. <laughs> She's a half-wise ham. <laughs> 
Uh, but so, I mean, to wrap up, you know, <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we to go from Enrique Iglesias' yeah. Michael status. I know off topic there. No, but it's. I think now it's. What's your favorite Pogue song then? If you uh, had to choose one, uh, do you know? I do like the old man drag. I do yeah. like that one. Pretty, it's pretty spectacular. Do you know? Yeah. And there probably is other ones, but you put me on the spot now, so I'm trying to think just yeah, the top. Yeah, on the spot's good. We like yeah. this good reaction. I'm going to opt for Haunted. Yeah. Which is, it is haunting. Like, it's it's unreal. There's a version of it done with Sinead O'Connor, but the, yeah. the, the version with, with Kato Reardon doing the, the female uh, lead is is pretty good as well. Like, it's Looks just so cool. Song. You could have put out Vietnam. Yeah. 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 I want to be haunted by the ghost. And I do like the band. I know that it's a cover the band played was and we tell the voice. Yeah. It's just so moving. That's sometimes what I like. Co- it's sometimes very moving. the cover version is the best version. Mm. Mm. Oh, you yeah. know, in a big way. Like a real, so- a, a true songwriter respects the songwriting of others and just finds yeah. something in it. So that, that that is definitely something. Do you think they'll ever re-band like them again? Uh, yes. Like the oh, yeah. 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 yeah, it's not going to be pu- it's not going to be punk rock, but there is a bit of a there's young twenty five year olds now at the moment who are really embracing their trad roots, and you're going to see more of it. It's coming, and it's it's on the rise. Do you nice. know what I mean? Nice. It's like there was a time in Ireland where people thought Guinness was an ale full of drink. Now, if you go out to the workman's, workman's club, everybody's probably drinking a Guinness. Do you know what I mean? There's these little simmerings going so on at the s- moment. Yeah, he's saying it's kind of cyclical. Like yeah. these things come around again. Yeah, and again. it's like Shane McGowan coming on the Late Late Show and everybody being like, "Oh my God, he's making a show of us." <laughs> to to people looking at him now and being like, "Wow, he's the most punk rock Irish man ever. <laughs> yeah. We love him. He's not British. He's ours." You know, yeah. there is that. I'm telling you, it's coming. It's a, it is. Yeah. In, it's incredible to see the the Pogues going from you know their beginnings where they couldn't possibly have started in Ireland through oh they're on the Late Late Show and he's making a show of us <laughs> to getting his own Late Late Show and being absolutely universally acclaimed completely loved by the Irish people and like if anyone has a bad word to say <laughs> about Shane McGowan we, we'll fight you in the car park actually <laughs> another one I like and it's on YouTube I don't know it's no, no, there's a recorded version it's uh, Shane McGowan playing with the Dubliners and singing the Irish Rover and he's got Ronnie Ju- Drew in the hand with his hands in his pocket standing beside him and it's just oh it's just so cool It's there's something so organic it has the, the, the feeling of a pub session and I just yeah. love that song it's pretty cool that was on the late late as well wasn't I that think it was on the, the tribute to Ronnie Drew or something it, like that is it? well Ronnie, Ronnie Drew was uh, was performing with him I don't know when it was it, yeah. it looked the clip yeah. looks like it's from the 80s oh, anyway so or was ni- fa- yeah, early 90s definitely yeah. from Irish television though oh I, yeah nearly that's 100% like, sure yeah you can kind to tell. <laughs> we, have, we have the Pogues and the Dubliners. Let's put them both on the show at the same. Let's yeah. go. Come on, get it done. Do you remember when the late late show used to have great guests? <laughs> <laughs> every now, time, only, every episode, the, you have to you have to drag the, the, the late late show. Yeah, the only the only great guest they have now is if if it just happened that the Pogues and the Dubliners were eating in the RT canteen, they might accidentally end up on the. Sure, they have the that young fellow likes watches. <laughs> he was what? great. The horologist from the Late Late Toy Show a couple of oh, years ago. Oh, the little fellow, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the kids on the Bless tractors. Him. There's oh, always yeah. a social media star a sensation every year. It's brilliant. It's brilliant and terrifying if you're a parent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, Jennifer, we'd love to ask all our guests what their favourite Irish word is. Okay. I've got one that's just from my childhood that I remember because my uh, old headmaster, Lorcan O'Hulacan, was a Gaelic and I, I'm not really, but uh, he would have been very passionate about his 
heritage and stuff. Mm. He used to always say Ludramon. Ah, brilliant. <laughs> and I just love that word. Did, I, he, did he say it to you about no, you? No, no, I was always okay. a really good student, but uh. like he'd be there like saying, ah, you Ludramon, you know. <laughs> and I've just like ever since I left uh, primary school, I never heard anybody uh, really say it much. And I just had always stuck uh, in my head, Ludramon, yeah. There's like a lovely hierarchy of insults that yeah. like it's not actually that insulting. It's yeah. kind of playful. And it's kind of, you know, like, your Egypt can be playful yeah, or it can be actually really biting, like, depending on how you say it. But Ludramon is always sort of soft, playful. It's not mean. It's, it's not mean. No. It's like, yeah, it's like a light slag, you know. A light slag. <laughs> yeah. 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 A poke of sorts. <laughs> You're a poke of sorts yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank can you. you us? Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been brilliant. It's been enlightening and fantastic. And, can you uh, tell... No, go on. Can you? Sorry, go ahead. Where can we hear more of you and your podcast and what okay, you're up to? My podcast is called I Love This Band and it's available on Spotify. It's available on Apple Podcasts, whatever search apps you use. And you can follow me on Instagram at I Love This Band Pod. And yeah, I'm on Twitter at, at Jen Q Web. It's up to yourself if you want to follow me there. I talk a lot, a lot of shite. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's Grace. been a pleasure talking shite with you. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. I really love that now. Thank you so much. So until the next time, it's a slant from me. I got slant, Wemshire. Mind yourselves. What a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> what a great episode. It's wonderful to talk to Jen Quigley uh, on, on our show about the Pogues. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. One of my favourite bands and it's great to learn more about them. Really, really fascinating social history of the Pogues. is great and, you know, um, highly recommend listening into uh, Jen's podcast as well. I love that band. Uh, really cool. This band. I love this band. <laughs> I love this band. It's Sorry, Jen. <laughs> yeah, her show, I Love This Band, is great. Yeah. Motherfuckler comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. You can get us at uh, motherfuckler at headstuff.org. And if you think we sound good, you can record in this very studio. The podcast studios by Headstuff are just open. And it's a fantastic opportunity for you or for your business to record a podcast, a video podcast, a vlog, whatever you're actually putting together. Headstuff can accommodate you. We had the opportunity to record the podcast you just listened to in their fantastic video podcast room. Um, we don't have film to show you, but trust us we look gorgeous uh, so yeah you can uh, find them on the podcast studios dot <laughs> podcast studios thanks as always to Kirsten Shield for the amazing artwork and to Brian for producing this has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network Yeah. yeah, speaking of Elvis Costello, yeah, his real name apparently is Declan McManus. It is, yeah. yeah. Declan Patrick there's, McManus. There's another one, yeah. <coughs> yeah, kind of secret, co- covert. Secret paddy. Co- covert paddies, yeah. <laughs>